Thank you for joining us for this new Future of IT podcast. There is an influx of conversation focused on BYOD, the consumerization of IT, and how organizations can cope in today's multi-device environment. IT and business leaders are asked to securely connect thousands of devices competing for network resources and simultaneously support greater productivity in the workplace. With this in mind, how can mobility be addressed at an infrastructure level to tackle challenges and enable opportunities? I'm your host, Lauren Moran, and joining me is Chris Spain, Vice President of Product Management at Cisco's Enterprise Infrastructure and Solutions Group. Hello, Chris. Hello, Lauren. Pleasure to be here today. I'm also pleased to have with us Craig Mathias, Principal Analyst at Farpoint Group. Thanks for being here, Craig. Delighted to be here. Thanks so much. So let's get started. Chris, can you shed some light on today's challenges and opportunities of enterprise mobility, and where does infrastructure fit in? And Lauren, it'd be my pleasure. So I think we continue to see the consumerization of um, of IT, and more and more people are leveraging mobile devices to do their work every day. The standards for those mobile devices are maturing very, very quickly. If we look at the brief uh, sort of history of Wi-Fi in the enterprise who went from 2 megabits per second in 1997 to with 802.11ac 1.3 gigabits per second. So the demands on the network are, are huge. Now I think the other interesting thing is the cost of actually supporting and maintaining those devices in terms of what it does to your network is also growing. About 25% of the traffic to and from my smartphone is actually OS updates, application updates. And a lot of these come in a very bursty fashion. If I get a new version of the OS, I now have now potentially hundreds or thousands of people updating um, those devices simultaneously. I think the under interesting um, sort of dimension here is these mobile devices and the applications thereon are more often actually accessing data in the cloud. So if I think of enterprise infrastructure, mobile devices, I really have to think how I redesign my Wi-Fi network. What does that mean to the resulting switch network? But what does it also mean to my connections to the internet? And do I now need, for example, to enable direct internet access at every site? to facilitate just the maintenance of these devices and the fact that's where much of the traffic is going anywhere, everywhere, anyway. So hopefully that made, made sense. Well, first, uh, I agree absolutely with everything that Chris just said. Um, you know, a long time ago, I think it was Scott McNeely said the, the network is the computer, and of course that was never entirely true, but without the network, we really can't do anything anymore. It's funny how many people still uh, even with the very powerful mobile devices that we have today, worry about how much they can do when they're offline, when there is no network connection. But the answer is really, you can't do much anymore. It's all about collaboration and communications and having the information that all organizations, whether they're enterprises or governments or nonprofits or whatever, the information these organizations live on be available whenever it's necessary. This is why it's been so critical in recent years that the cellular carriers upgrade their networks, that Wi-Fi evolve very rapidly, even though that's driven some IT managers completely crazy with the alphabet soup of 802.11. Think about all of the capacity, not just the throughput, but the capacity that we can provision today in the interest of productivity. And as I've often reminded um, uh, IT managers, we do a lot of work obviously with them, it's really not about the cost of the network, it's about the return on investment from that network. In other words, networks really are cheap people are expensive, and if we can improve the productivity of the people who are using those networks through upgrades in 
not just the capital equipment side, but also improving operations, we're all better off in the long run. That's true universally. doesn't matter what kind of organization you're in or what kind of company we're talking about. Uh, I like to think of the, of the environment that we're in today as centered on information. We used to worry so much about the network as plumbing and the, you know, all the complexities involved in routers and IP. And indeed, we could argue that's even gotten uh, more complex over the years as the whole protocol stack has evolved and as we've all become more dependent on the network. But you know, the reality of the situation today is that without the network, we really can't get anything done. I like to say that we live today in the era of infocentricity. It's all about the information. Yes, absolutely. And what you said about productivity of people in the workplace, that's an interesting point. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about wireless and Wi-Fi and the devices and applications in the workspace. So a couple of things there maybe, Lauren, if I, if I may. One of them is if I look at most workplaces, um, Wi-Fi becomes now the primary connectivity. I mean, two of the three devices most people have are Wi-Fi only. The other one, the, the laptop, is probably connected to Wi-Fi not often at all. But I'm now expecting, as Craig mentioned, that I want to be able to do everything that I used to be able to do tethered to a cable over Wi-Fi. And that includes things like making a voice call. I think with the advent now of voice over Wi-Fi from the carriers, the likes of um, FaceTime from Apple, is, is driving that. And it's not only voice over Wi-Fi, it's also collaboration technologies, um, sharing and collaborating on documents, but also video conferencing is now coming to you over Wi-Fi. How many times do we sort of watch our favorite news channel and it's so-and-so brought to you via Skype? But I'm now also doing a lot more of my connecting to um, enterprise data over that environment. And this raises, I think, some interesting questions perhaps around things like security. How do I now protect the user potentially from themselves and sandbox that data um, that may be business um, sensitive, may be critical, I may be worried about data loss prevention. How do I sandbox that on that device um, such that I protect the user from inadvertently losing it or, or sharing it. So there's lots of interesting kind of um, pieces there. And I often use the example here of I now want to be able to walk from the building I'm in, which is building 14, to building 10 to deliver an EBC. And I want to be seamlessly connecting as I'm walking between them um, over Wi-Fi, perhaps either on a call um, with, with either Jabber or, again, pick your other favorite collaboration tool. So it's really changing that environment. And I think I think Craig sort of mentioned it as well. How do I stay hyper-connected? I, I, I do get nervous if I'm no longer connected to a network. And it's really changing how we do that. And that's where, I think, again, the, the alphabet soup, I think, was the comment from Craig on 802.11. <laughs> Is, is absolutely correct. How do I start keeping up with that train and how do I make sure that I can handle the density of clients, but also now the throughput that they're able to generate with these ever-rich sort of media-centric applications? So that to me would be a, a thought on the, the workspace and how that's evolving. And, and you know, I know, Chris, you really hit the nail on the head there, and that, that is the key. 
I mentioned earlier capacity. We tend to think, you know, you hear a number, you mentioned earlier 1.3 gigabits a second, which is one of the numbers that's often associated with 802.11ac. And that's a great number. I mean, just, you know, for those of us that have been in the field for a long time, I founded Farpoint Group in 1991 when we couldn't even do 100 kilobits reliably. And now we're talking about those kinds of numbers. But it's not really about the throughput uh, offered to a single user at that kind of a rate. It's about the overall capacity that we provision. So, like I said, you hit the nail on the head. Network managers need to be thinking in terms of how to keep mission-critical applications, and that's everything, voice, data, video, as you, as you mentioned earlier, on the air, available on an anytime, anywhere basis to a wide diversity of users who have a similarly wide diversity of devices and applications that are at their disposal. This is really a remarkable change from the client-server era when we worried about Windows, you know, Windows Server and Windows on the PC. Maybe there were a few crazy Mac users out there, but we certainly didn't have the diversity that we have today, nor did we really have the dependence upon the network. You would download the files you needed off the network onto your local PC and carry those around with you, and uh, mobility was almost entirely self-contained. We just don't live in that era anymore. And infrastructure whether we're talking, again, local infrastructure within the organization or the other infrastructures that we depend upon, the Internet, carrier networks, et cetera, these infrastructures must evolve to handle this load. If they do not, or if we have a mismatch, you early on you were talking about all the potential opportunities for bottlenecks in the network. If we have that kind of a problem, first of all, they can still be maddeningly difficult to to uh, discover and address properly. But if we do have them, it's a uh, sclerosis, you know? It's, it's the entire organization suffering from a lack of information being available on the fluid basis that it otherwise and, and really must need to be. That's, that's the big problem that we, we still need to address. A lot of this is philosophical. It's just getting your head as an IT manager around the necessary thinking that goes into solving these problems. The remainder is actually quite easy, and that's simply picking the right products, the right combinations of products, configuring them properly, managing them properly, and then keeping them up to date as demand grows. Yeah, I, I, I love that analogy, and I, I often use the term that people now want to perceive the, the IP network really becomes the fourth utility after electricity, gas, and water. Yes, it's, and like, it's, it's like plumbing. It has to be there. there. Now, Sometimes plumbing is viewed as a disparaging or commoditizing term, but I, I actually like to view the positive attributes of it in you should be planning to over-provision and under-subscribe. I don't want to be turning the lights off to watch TV. I don't expect the network to be in my way either. I want it to be always there and reliable, and I, I actually I get nervous when it's not. So if I'm on a plane, I may have a lightning-fast connection to the access point but the uplink is very slow. Yeah. This is the case in many hotspots as well. So really we have to, I think, inventory the networks, and as you mentioned, find those bottlenecks, the pinch points, what is my weakest link? And if you have a dollar to spend, that's probably where you want to be spending that dollar in removing or, or expanding the pipe that is today your weakest link. Yeah, you know, the first step is actually in looking at the wired and wireless networks as a unified element. So we've used the term unified networking or unified management over the years to describe that. That's probably the most important thing. And then getting the end-to-end -end visibility, even across carrier networks, is also important, a bit less developed, of course, than local management. It's going to be a question, I think, of, of 
visibility. But beyond that, it's going to be a question of thinking of the network as a single utility, even though it's made up of so many different pieces, and having the visibility into each element as problems creep in or as uh, growth uh, continues to rear its head. Um, you'll never be done. And of course, the oh, the other things you mentioned that are sitting in the back of my mind here, security and integrity, uh, integrity of data, integrity of the network, and, uh, and that means the infrastructure. And then security, which seems to be the major insoluble problem in IT. Maybe, you know, it certainly extends well beyond IT, but um, every single week we discover, you know, more credit card numbers are getting stolen, another network getting broken into. Just on the news recently, Sony has a movie they're going to release, and it's already been stolen and downloaded two million times. We really need to address these problems. And I think unlike a lot of analysts, I honestly believe that we can do that. We do have the technology. I didn't say it was easy. It will involve changes in procedures. It will involve changes in how we view both clients and infrastructure over time. But we can do it. And I would argue that if we don't do it, this is clearly the biggest frontier in front of us today. If we don't do it, the future of information technology itself is called into question. I mean, we're not going to use networks if they're not secure. We're not going to use networks if they don't have the integrity necessary to provision the services that we need to uh, to be productive with, uh, to, to be collaborative with, to be successful with. And so there are a number of really good challenges still sitting in front of us. The good news, though, and this goes back to what you said earlier, Chris, the good news is that we do have the basics in place. We can move data around with great efficiency and an amazingly low cost today. We can support large groups of collaborative users. We can improve productivity. We can lower costs. But there are still a good number of challenges there. And, you know, to my way of thinking, security and integrity, those are going to be at the top of the list for 2015. Yeah, and if, if we sort of just poke at that one a little bit more, Craig, because I think it's a, if, if we look at this mobile world where I'm accessing data in the cloud, and as we say that the network is becoming more utility-like and um, we're getting the value there, then the interesting question for me is, because I'm using the network now to connect everything, it becomes an extremely valuable um, resource for context about what's connecting to the network. So that could be my credentials as I log in, for example. What device I'm using, because I can fingerprint the OS or I can fingerprint the browser. Where am I in terms of which access point am I connected to? But then even things like location-based services, mm -hmm. there's now over that network that can give me, like, where's my asset? If there's a fire alarm in this building, the one person who hasn't left is most likely with their cell phone, so it tells an emergency responder where to go. And then you tie that up again in this, this, this mobile and cloud world, you start looking at things like your enterprise mobility management suite, MDM, etc., as ways to start addressing that security problem, but it's no longer a an appliance at one point in the network. I think that security has to be a holistic approach and exactly. Visibility really is what helps you start on that. So, just interested in your thoughts on that, Craig. Well, no, I think I think uh, again, this is something of an insoluble problem, at least from an exterior point of view, because we still have issues like this that we're dealing with. But think about what's coming online now that we'll be able to use to address some of these issues. You mentioned enterprise mobility management, so. Uh, mobile device management, certainly from a configurational perspective, but more importantly, the ability to manage mobile applications, and that's true whether they're local or in the cloud, and particularly mobile content management. 
so that we can set up secure containers on mobile devices that are managed and owned by the organization that's doing the managing. So I, I think we are making good progress there. And, oh, and we can unify those management systems in as part of our overall unified management suite as well. And then the other part, and I think we're just beginning to explore the possibilities here, is software-defined networking. The whole idea of making the network a little bit softer, a little bit more amenable to policy, uh, really, and then end-to-end -end policy across the network, this is very exciting, very exciting, it, and it's underdeveloped in, in its present form. But of course, we're encouraging our clients to think in terms of what their networks are going to look like in two or three years. So we're talking about faster Ethernet switches. Um, I know you and I have talked about this before. There's going to be a greater need for overall wired capacity to support all those access points, which will be installed even more densely. Unified management, software-defined networking, and then again, looking, being able to have visibility in the network, even across networks that are provisioned by carriers or that are the Internet. Uh, we, we can do a lot more. I, I, I hate to say it, but we're not going to close the patent office anytime soon. Uh, there are a lot of IT managers that I've spoken with that say, look, things are still changing at such a rapid rate. And then when you finally break through that initial resistance, you discover that there are real benefits, exciting benefits to the change that uh, uh, the vendor community, the software community are bringing online today. And I think the situation will continue to be fluid, shall we say? There, I mean, after all, we're talking about new 802.11 standards. Who would have thought those guys would be looking at the point where it would go from 802.11a something to 802.11b something? So we'll have BA and BB and BC and who knows what all those are going to be. But that just gives you an idea of the potential that exists out there for really exciting new developments that will have meaningful benefits for IT everywhere. I, I, again, if I, if I now look at that, that network as a platform, it, it, it is quite interesting. I mean, and I mm -hmm. do not believe the, the patent office will close anytime soon. No. I, uh, the, the, the layering now of faster and faster technologies in terms of, of over the air and getting better utilization of that, because not only is it number of clients throughput, but it's also how they interfere with each other. I mean, the, the air is still a shared medium, but I think that's going to drive then those other um, innovations. So how do I get a faster link now between my AP and my switch, maybe over Cat5e cable, because I don't want to change the cable because of the cost, but there's some laws of physics there with PoE. And what is that going to mean to the resultant uplinks? I think it's going to be a, an, an interesting question in terms of how that evolves. So standards like 802.11 AD or um, even Li-Fi, where, where do you see those perhaps, Craig? And what about the internet of everything and how that's going to connect to a, a Wi-Fi network and the challenges that that may uh, present? I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I've been working on my top 10 list for Wi-Fi for 2015. And internet of everything, internet of things, machine-to-machine, uh, -machine, however you refer to it, that's going to be very big, and it is going to be a huge driver of Wi-Fi. Now, of course, Wi-Fi is not the only radio technology that's going to be used uh, as part of the Internet of Everything, but it, I think it's going to become 
one of the most important, and it may even be the dominant technology over time. The reason, of course, is you can leverage off of existing Wi-Fi infrastructures in provisioning all of these exciting new applications that may not really require all that much throughput, but they're going to require an awful lot of capacity. And if Wi-Fi is not about capacity, I don't know what it is about. That really is the, the, the watchword today in designing new network solutions. Along those lines, and I'm glad you mentioned .11 AD, AD, uh, certainly uh, 2014 was not going to be the year of AD, and 2015 may not be either, but I think when users start to get a little bit of experience with AD, and here we're talking about, uh, Chris, a, a, wide a wide range of performance, just like we've seen with all of the other Wi-Fi standards, but we really do have the ability to approach an honest 7 gigabits a second which is an awful lot of throughput and an awful lot of capacity, depending on which one of those two dimensions is most important to you. Won't work over really long distances, doesn't go through walls all that well. We're talking about the 60 gigahertz band for anyone who's listening and doesn't have experience with AD yet. But in the experience that we've done with it here and the early products that we've seen, I think this is one of the most exciting developments ever. A lot of people are talking about you know full-speed video links and such. I I'm not sure that that's actually required. You can do a great job with compressed video. You don't need that kind of throughput for an HDMI replacement. But for things like virtual reality, uh, for incredibly high-speed server links, uh, especially in things like financial modeling, supercomputing, uh, high-performance, uh, uh, anything really these days, .11 AD is going to be really interesting. We've been looking at some very exciting medical applications, for example, for .11 AD. So like I said, it won't be the year uh, probably of the Internet of Things in, in next year, and it won't be the year of 802.11 AD, but these are big, big deals coming down the pipe. Yeah, AD for me has two real applications. I mean, the one most the consumers folks talk about the most seems to be the, the cable replacement. And you mentioned HDMI, and I, I, I wander around our office, which is predominantly open space and, and Wi-Fi, we're still replete with cables. Those cables mm -hmm. are, are powering devices and in, interconnecting peripherals. So that view of interconnecting all of my peripherals with Bluetooth on steroids, because it's short range and it's in 60 gigahertz, but can give me very, very high throughput, I think it's very exciting. It's exciting in the home. I think it's going to be exciting in the office. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact with 60 gigahertz that it doesn't go through walls, I think is also a huge advantage if I want to be give a network, if I want to put a, a, a AP in each office and not have them interfere with each other because the signals do go through walls. And that will give me a very, very high speed on-ramp. And as you mentioned, in certain development organizations, that could be critical to moving vast amount of data. So I think it will work probably collaboratively for me with Wi-Fi. So I don't know, maybe a few years from now, you'll see APs that have 5 gigahertz and 60 gigahertz on them, maybe the 2.4 will actually slowly disappear. I'd like nothing better in many ways, given the, the, the lack of, of, of channels there. But it, it's sort of interesting to think about how would I design that network in the future that really try to do the vast majority of the communication over the air, if possible. Well, uh, no, and, and you will because, I mean, who wants to look for a place to plug in these days? You know, the, the wired network is largely um, uh, evolving into a supporting role, a critical supporting role. Again, you don't want any any bottlenecks anywhere in the in the value chain there, but it provides power and interconnect for access points. That's That's going to be its primary function in many organizations. 
But in terms of multiple wireless technologies, I'm looking forward to the day when we don't even really think about it. You know, you'll buy a client, it'll come with all these radios in it, and the infrastructure through software-defined networking and other uh, and, and management techniques will configure all of that for you. You won't know what you're using and you really won't care. All you'll notice is that your productivity is never impeded by a slow or unavailable network. That's the nirvana I think that all of us are really moving towards. I, I couldn't sort of uh, agree more on that. So a couple of maybe other just topics I'd like to, to poke at. Um, with the sort of advent of more and more traffic going um, encrypted over the top, um, application visibility and control in terms of what's actually using my network becomes ever harder. And uh, if you look at techniques like leveraging maybe DNS as an authoritative source, to identify those applications and, and see what's going on on your network. And we talked earlier really on a security angle about thinking about how do I get visibility, but I, but I think also on a capacity planning and a where do I need to, again, spend that next dollar on my network, that's also a very interesting comment. So just in terms of visibility into what my network's doing, Craig, just, just your thoughts there. Well, you know, again, I, I'm a huge fan of the whole unified management aspect of being able to manage wired and wireless together. But you brought up a couple of interesting points there. And, we're, again, this is an area that's just evolving now. But the whole idea of being able to use the network uh, infrastructure itself to understand what applications are doing, where is the demand, who's doing what, um, there are certainly some security and privacy and integrity issues that go along with this. I'm not sure we've thought it through entirely yet. But the ability to actually see how your network is being used and ultimately who is doing what on the network will be able to tell you a whole bunch about what's going on. It might tell you where you need to make improvements in overall infrastructure. It might tell you where you have a potential security issue. You might see activity that is unusual or shouldn't be there, perhaps, and that will be a, a wonderful capability uh, that will augment your overall security and integrity posture. Uh, you know, networks are going to get smarter. I, that really is the bottom line here. We, again, the network is not the computer, but it is a huge uh, element in an overall computational or IT solution. And the more information that we can manage as part of that network, including where, what application flows look like and what data is moving around and who's using what network for what purpose, the better we'll be at, again, improving productivity and also at controlling costs. So if there was one piece of information you wish you could get from the network, just, just one nugget, what, what, what would that be, Craig? I don't know that there's ever going to be just one element that I yeah. want. You know, I do spend an awful lot of time still doing performance analysis. So to tell you the truth, I would like to see some sort of benchmarking capability okay. built into the network. Rather than having to set up servers and lots of clients, I'd like to see more performance management capability and performance evaluation capability yeah. as a standard function. I've, I've certainly asked the IEEE to look into this, and maybe someday we'll get it. There was an abortive effort called 802.11t, you may recall, from yeah. some years ago. But that would be my major request at the moment, because I do spend so much time doing comparative performance evaluation. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, my network, I need to be able to show the health of my network. Yeah, where, yeah where and, and, I with my RF capacity, what tweaks should I make? Um, do I need to adjust my channel plan? Am I better off with 
a higher density of APs and a narrower channel width and a higher channel width. I mean, guide me to those things so I don't have to maybe bring in an expert to do that. So how, how do I start right. making this simpler? Because again, the expectation from the user is I want this to be utility. My daughter's at college, she took five devices with her. She just wants them to work. She doesn't want to know anything about the underlying um, complexities of doing this. It's just make it work. So show me as an IT administrator, is my network healthy? Would seem to be, um, maybe if you had one ask, that would have been it. Well, you know, I'm kind of moving in that direction because I think if the network is performing well, then everyone will go home happy. Well, at least we're not seeing any bottlenecks. And when there are performance problems, we can understand them. But, you know, when you think about it, analytics, which is, of course, the ability to take large amounts of multivariate disparate data and extract meaning from it very quickly, if you feed that into software-defined networking, eventually we have almost a closed-loop system where the network can look at itself and say, hey, I see this. It's either in uh, concert with or, or working against policy, so I'll take appropriate actions there. And then I can optimize the performance of the network based on that. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to tell the network operations staff that they've got to find something else to do anytime soon. But we are going to be able to say your productivity will be much higher. And as the network grows, and again, this is mostly at the edge with vast numbers of devices and a very diverse user base with a very diverse set of applications, you will be able to keep up with that. And you will not introduce security and integrity problems uh, as you grow your network. So the, the, it's, this is just the greatest time in the world to be working in networking. I've got to tell you, Chris, there are so many exciting developments uh, on the horizon that, you know, coming into work every day, I can't wait. I couldn't agree more in terms of, uh, again, I think the variety. Um, I, I, a big favorite TV show of mine is uh, Men Behaving Badly. It's uh, <laughs> And I think clients behaving badly and just this myriad of things coming in that don't necessarily know how to best participate in a network. I think a great example for me is I just replaced all the set-top boxes in my home for yeah. ones that now support both 2.4 and 5 gigahertz because uh -huh. my neighbors were interfering with me. And now each of my set-top boxes is actually advertising a Wi-Fi Direct SSID. Uh -huh. It infuriates me no end, but there's nothing I can do about that. And this is examples of how the industry, I think, is maturing and we're starting to see more and more of these devices expect that sort of connectivity. And the Internet of Everything in the, in the carpeted space, as I like to phrase it, is mm -hmm. only going to make this, this worse if I start connecting now every printer, every camera, every sensor, every badge reader to that network. And how are they going to behave and, and how do we take control of that? from the, the network side is, is going to be a very, very exciting um, and not without challenging time for the next few that's years. Okay. But that's okay, because, you know, really the history of networking has always been challenging. We've run across so many huge problems. Just over the, uh, the few decades that I've worked in networking, uh, there have always been major challenges, and we've always risen to the occasion, and we've always done better than we initially expected we'd be able to do. Because first of all, there's a lot of great people working in this field. There are a lot of great firms that are involved uh, in, in networking, both wired and wireless. And the need is there. We know that the future, I'm gonna go a little bit out on a limb here, but the future of civilization itself depends upon networking. The more we communicate as a planet, the better off we are. 
that's really the business that we're in. We keep people talking and their devices and their applications. Sure, there's going to be more devices. There's going to be more applications. The Internet of Everything is going to introduce billions of new devices that need to be connected and functional and productive. We can do it. We can. We have the tools. You and I today have talked about half a dozen interesting new technologies that are going to play a major role in the success of that vision. I'm not worried that we're going to get there. Sure, there'll be a few hiccups along the way. Sure, new equipment will need to be purchased and integrated. But the benefits of those actions are going to be enormous. That's fantastic. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you both so much for sharing your insights today. For more on the future of IT, join the conversation, hashtag Future of IT.